everyone has these moments. Analysts have these moments. I have these moments even in friend leagues because I think the guys just, they know who I like to look at now. So things get back to me and the clock starts and I go, oh my God, they've taken everyone I'm looking at. So it's important just to remember if you have an idea of how you like to build your roster in general for fantasy, that always helps. I have really adopted a wide receiver heavy approach to things. I feel much more comfortable with the end result of my teams when I have invested a little more in the wide receiver position. So we can say if this is happening in the middle of the fourth round and all of a sudden I'm panicking because some of my names have come off the board, maybe even some people who I weren't looking at immediately so like let's say even dk metcalf and brandon cooks guys who are going even in the end of the fifth are coming off the board i take a second depending on how long your clock is you get 60 seconds sometimes you get 90 i take about 10 percent of that time and i just click around i say okay who's the top option available for me at each position every draft app now has positional filters and take a look i say who's available Who's the best? And then I look at my team and I say, what do I need right now? That's tip-top fantasy expert Andrew Jordan. It's draft season for fantasy football, and the decisions you make now could define the amount of enjoyment you actually get from this crazy game between now and Christmas. In this episode, Andrew and I talk about what you do if all the names from your list have gone. We discuss tight ends. And Andrew has his mid-round sleepers and guys to avoid in this part two of our fantasy football draft preview. So sit back and let us do the hard work for you. I'm Anthony Woodson, and this is the Transatlantic Sports Show. Here we are, second episode, part two of our two-part series on the fantasy football preview. And as always... Our fantasy expert, guru, one of the top fantasy analysts out there, Andrew Jordan. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you've got to. He is at the underscore ATJ, not just for his fantasy advice, but he's quite funny. He sends uh, he sends some funny suits. Andrew, you seem to be the man who never sleeps. You know, I will wake up at five o'clock in the morning, which would be two in the morning your time, and you're there and you're tweeting away. But then 10 o'clock in the morning over here in the UK and 5 a.m. your time, you're still tweeting. Yeah, you're just constantly researching fantasy football. Is that what you're doing? Pretty much, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're thirsty, and of course the glass of water is not enough. I got to check Twitter and, you know, whatever <laughs> weird thought comes across my mind uh, at, you know, that early a time for me, it's got to go out there. There's no... There, there, there's no warming up. There's no stretching or anything. The thoughts just run right out that early. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I do enjoy that. And I think, you know, through this show and everything, I'm, I'm, I, I consider it just breaking into, you know, more of the the UK audience. As Bon Jovi once sang, "I live while I'm alive, and I'll sleep when I'm dead." <laughs> Another great New Jersey resident. <laughs> Speaking of New Jersey residents, I can see there in the background you've got a uh, an extra large Funko Pop of Grogu sporting a Jets cap. I mean, is is that some kind of Jedi mind trick going on there? That's we are we are trying to bring some good magic into the Jets uh, this season because let me tell you, it already in the preseason has not been great. So <laughs> I throw the cap on them, and uh, you know we'll see. Maybe maybe this will work. Imagine this being the thing that turns around the Jets. <laughs> Not to give away any spoilers, but he helps the Mandalorian with healing, with very extremely fast healing through his Jedi powers. You know, this is a, a young Yoda type creature. So, you know, the force is extremely strong with him. Surely he could do the same with Zach Wilson. I'm surprised Zach's not ready. Or maybe he is. Maybe Grogu has used his Jedi fixing healing tricks Zach's going to be ready for week one. We don't need to worry about Joe Flacco. We got we got our fingers crossed for it. Also, a good reason uh, to listen is because the Grogu and the hat are both from league winnings from fantasy football. Yes. So. <laughs> Mandalorian season three, not too far away. Andor is just around the corner, which was filmed just down the road. 
uh, when it was like early 2021, I took my eldest son, Louis, there. He's a bit of a, a Star Wars geek. He's uh, the forces is extremely strong with him. He's had his birthday this week. And my goodness, the amount of Star Wars Lego that he has received. But Andor, yeah, we went down to the film set and I can't believe it. It is again, September 21st. Where has the time gone? We discussed that in last week's uh, podcast. Look out for that because uh, I'll share some some photos. We went down to the set. Obviously, we didn't get on the set, but we went as near as damn it to it. We went to the actual entrance, the gate that said entrance. That's as close to the set as we got. And I got some photographs there. And having watched the trailer, I could see there's a lot of green screen at the time, as you can imagine. But the shapes of some of the buildings, we got pictures of the set. So uh, there you go. Love it. Oh, man, I love Star Wars. Uh, Obi-Wan, I, I think it didn't fail to disappoint. There were a couple of weaker episodes, but that final episode, I don't know what you thought, but that finale, I had chills. It was great. It, it's its fun to delve more into, you know, a character that otherwise to this point was really just like a hermit. And then, you know, he obviously was much bigger in the prequels. But so it was it was fun to get more of a look at that. And the oh. Anakin's gone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was so strong. If you haven't watched the Obi-Wan series, I encourage you, demand you go and give it a viewing. And if it's not for you, just just skip. You can go right through to the finale and just watch that. It's 57 minutes of pure Star Wars joy. But this is a fantasy football podcast. It's the Transatlantic Sports Show. Thank you very much for downloading. Please subscribe. We are at T-A-S-S underscore UK on Twitter. And our man here is at the underscore ATJ, as I mentioned. So it's part two, Andrew, of our fancy preview. And last time around, you know, we talked strategy. You gave out some great advice on picking CD Lamb if he's available there in the second round. And as we discussed, drafting 11 or 12, if you've got that in your home league, your office league, your friends league, or whatever, yeah, don't worry because it can work out. And you're more likely to get CD Lamb in the second round if you're drafting 11 or 12, then if you are drafting number one overall, okay, you might not get the Christian McCaffrey in your first round pick, but you could have your pick of star talent right through. You could go receiver, receiver at the top there, like we mentioned. Um, Andrew, the advice as well that you shared last time around, which I thought was uh, was sound advice, was the quarterback position, especially those mobile quarterbacks, because they're almost as valuable as a good running back. If you've gone receiver, receiver in a, a PPR league, would you then consider ahead of maybe, you know, an RB3 being your RB1, would you consider one of those mobile quarterbacks ahead of them just because of the points that they could gain for your team? So it will depend because I think for me, taking a quarterback that early really forces my hand a little further down the line on running back. Typically, I find myself really enjoying getting like an AJ Dillon type. If my league has gone very heavy on the running back and, and I'm sitting, you know, I've, I've made my second round pick. Let's assume I'm closer to the end of the draft. Uh, and all of a sudden, as it swings back around to me, if I see that something like 20 backs have come off the board in three picks out of the 36 available picks when it's finally coming back to me, for taking a quarterback that early, I don't mind it, but it does kind of lock you into taking a serious look at running back with your round four and round five pick, uh, if only because I think you need it really only to be maybe Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson. It has to be one of those three guys because of the ceiling value uh, that, that you obviously get with a, with a guy like Lamar running the ball as much as he does be his legs being such a focal point of that offense. If I'm taking a quarterback that early, those are the three guys I'm taking. If only because so much of the offense is built around them in in their own specific ways. Obviously, Josh Allen really does it all and has the receiving corp to do it. Justin Herbert throwing to you know one of the best, most underappreciated wide receivers in the NFL, and is is just so incredibly robotic and mechanical. And and, and I, I mean that as a compliment uh, in, in his passing and how he really gets everything done. And a guy who did not throw the deep ball as much as we thought last year. He was somewhere in the 20s, actually, for quarterbacks for deep attempts. 
And then uh, a guy like Lamar, obviously, like I said, does enough rushing and will now have, you know, a revitalized or a new look wide receiver room for what feels like the third or fourth time in his career. So going that early, I need guys who are going to finish as QB one. And I have to be able to tell myself the story that they're going to be the top guy at the end of the year. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson, it's a contract year for him as well. So the guy is going to ball. So in this episode, we're going to give you specific names. You know, we, we gave a few examples in the last episode. This one, because it's the fancy preview, it's the final part of our mini series looking ahead to your draft, getting you ready for the draft this year. So we'll have some specific names, guys to look out for, especially mid-round advice and, uh, and guys to avoid. But first, Andrew, we teased about it last time. We taught tight ends. There is a, an elite bunch, I'd say maybe three or four. You could perhaps throw five into the mix. I don't know where you stand on George Kittle, but where do you stand on tight ends? Are you somebody who will pick one of those elite guys up early on if they're there? Or are you willing to wait? And then does that change your approach throughout the season? Does that mean you're more inclined to stream tight ends? Are you happy streaming tight ends? What's your strategy? I will say tight end as every year. Uh, I think when we start the season, we look at it and we say, geez, it, tight end is so deep. You know, you don't have to wait. The, you know, guys like Zach Ertz are available at the at the back end of their position, you know, out, just outside the top 12 in some cases. And, and look, you can still get him. I, I feel like we say this every year and then every year you and I spend a great deal of time talking about streaming tight end because the position is so hard to nail down. I think there are about three guys this year that I really want on my team that, that I will make the early pick on. And that is Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. And then we kind of fall into this middle bit where I still really like the guys, but I think their ceiling value is capped either by their offense or how they are specifically used the surrounding skill players guys like Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, Dalton Schultz. Those are, it's the, the D section. It's the alliteration section of the tight end rankings. Um, And then I, I actually filed George Kittle in right behind them. there, taking the uh, sixth spot. Uh, Sorry, the seventh spot and uh, Kittle for me. I love what he does on the football field. If I was drafting an NFL team, George Kittle would be taken, oh boy, almost before everybody maybe outside of Kelsey on this list because he is just so valuable to the 49ers. They can do a lot of what they do on the ground because he's there, because you are getting a, a pretty decent lineman blocking there. But he just, because of that usage and because of the way he plays the game, he just takes so much contact that, at this point, I'm less worried about him missing games and more worried about the full percentage he's working off of in the middle of the season. And and guys are never at 100%. I know we, we tend to say this a lot, you know, oh, it's early in the season, you know, week three, four. This guy's still, you know, running high. He's still at 100%. He's doing fine. All these guys are banged up after week one. Everybody's nursing a little bit of something. I think Kittle's operating at maybe 5 or 10% less than that because of how much he runs into contact. Uh, so you you just you don't get that ceiling value in the middle weeks of the season. Yeah, and as a Niners fan, you love the heart that he has, and he puts so much into it. But And he is a guy, he admits himself, I think he loves blocking more than he does scoring touchdowns. But he's got his knuckle hands in the dirt, and he doesn't shy away from contact. In, in fact, he thrives on it. But there he are occasions incredible. where, uh, yeah, he could be a wrestler in the ring. He, I know he loves his wrestling, and maybe that's something that he's going to look to do, you know, in, the, in that Rob Gronkowski type of mold. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he is the heart and soul of that offense, and he's a he's a natural leader, I think, from his uh, well, I guess that fearless approach that he's got to the game. But from a fantasy level. Yeah, what was it, 2017? He was uh, however many yards short of, of breaking a record, but mm-hmm. I think we're five years removed from that, and he is many, many hits 
removed from that from that season. Interesting to see uh, how he plays with uh, Trey Lance under center. But yeah, I'm in agreement. I think with those guys uh, up there, you've got your elite bunch. They are, I said last time around, Travis Kelsey could be a first round, second round option. Somebody will pick him up early in your draft. He could be somebody you want to target. But again, it just comes down to strategy, doesn't it? And whether you're ready to or willing to pull the trigger on one of those guys early on. I guess it depends on the lay of the land, isn't it? Yeah, and cost-wise, Travis Kelsey is going to run about a mid-second round pick in drafts. That's that's his ADP, uh, and and it actually is is growing a little higher, which speaks to you know why the entire tight end bunch. Actually, funny enough, for for a few different sites that I look through, the entire tight end crop one through ten has all seen their average draft position just creep up over the last week or so uh and kittle and andrews travis uh, sorry travis kelsey and mark andrews are going to cost you about a second round pick kyle pitts is going to slot in somewhere at the end of the third early fourth round there and then kittle slides in uh as a firm fourth round pick so he's fourth coming off the board with adp Uh, kyle pitts is the sweet spot for me Again, much like committing to a quarterback that early, if I'm taking a tight end, I need one of those elite options. If Kelsey, Andrews, and Pitts have all come off the board and all of a sudden I see Kittle and Darren Waller fall off, that isn't going to prompt me to reach and take one. Um, Because at that point, we are talking very much about a sameness in the scoring. So after that it's it's really just about being able to tell yourself which tight end you know you need on your team because once i'm not taking a guy like Kyle Pitts who is basically just a wide receiver that we're calling a tight end uh i can talk myself into TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz who are the next three to come off the board uh for ADP a lot of sameness with that i can tell myself Hawk and Goddard Two of my favorite college evaluations that I've ever done for the tight end position. Uh, guys who are definitely involved. Obviously, Jared Goff loves throwing to the tight end in Detroit. And Jalen Hurts and Dallas Goddard actually had really great chemistry last season. Things got a lot better, too, for Goddard when Zach Ertz was out of town. You know, he picked up some injuries in the middle of the season there. But Goddard and Hawkinson, if the, if you don't want to mix it up early in the position, uh they are the guys that I really, really, really enjoy looking at. Um, they are coming off the board in like the sixth, seventh, eighth round sometimes. That's really the sweet spot then at tight end for me. So if I'm not one of the first people taking it, I will wait and I will kind of fall into the back of the pack there with a guy that I like. From experience, I found those guys further down the list, you're getting similar production value from them from a fantasy points perspective so you're not kind of losing out there and you can focus on stacking your guys in your roster who are going to get those points in in a ppr league or those running backs if you've drafted wide receiver heavy early on so you can focus your energy and your efforts on those and just know that further down there is going to be a tight end out there and the guys around you who are drafting those tight ends around there they're probably going to get similar production value and points from those tight ends just not the same as the ones further up in the elite but you can make up that ground by being clever in your draft and knowing okay i haven't got those tight ends but i can make up those points with x y wide receiver or y quarterback or or whoever andrew I teased it towards the end of last week's episode. What do you do when the players you like, and we're going to give some names out here, and no doubt you guys have already marked some names that you like. You're getting ready for your draft. You've got the date. You've got the time set. You may be getting together with your friends. You know what your plan is going to be around that evening or afternoon, whenever it is. The clock's ticking. And I said is the NFL fantasy app. You get Roger Goodell saying, you are now on the clock and you've got one minute to make your pick. And you're looking like, uh, none of my guys is on the list. There's nobody here. You start panicking. Then what do you do? 
And look, we've all been there. I think that's the most important thing to remember. Everyone has these moments. Analysts have these moments. I have these moments even in friend leagues because I think the guys just, they they know who I like to look at now. So more often the clock, you know, things get back to me and the clock starts and I go, oh my God, they've taken everyone I'm looking at. So, uh, you know, it's important just to remember if you have an idea of how you like to build your roster, in general for fantasy that always helps i i have really adopted a wide receiver heavy approach to things i feel much more comfortable with the end result of my teams when i have invested a little more in the wide receiver position so you know we can say if this is happening you know in the middle of the fourth round and all of a sudden you know i'm i'm panicking because you know some of my names have come off the board maybe even some people who i weren't looking at immediately so like let's say even dk metcalf and brandon cooks guys who are going even in the end of the fifth are coming off the board i take a second you know depending on how long your clock is you get 60 seconds sometimes you get 90 i take about 10 percent of that time and i just click around i say okay who's the top option available for me at each position quick breakdown usually you know every every draft app now has positional filters and take a look i say who's available who's the best and then i look at my team and i say what do i need right now and if i go with you know player x a big thing i look at is uh what we call like the shorthand for it it's vorp v-o-r-p value over replacement player if i go with option a and I leave maybe tight end out, what does that leave me left for tight end? Who am I replacing that pick with? So it's a busy 60 seconds. The The stress is definitely there. I would rather, for myself, I would rather feel that stress. I don't mind that if it happens a couple times in the draft, because when it does, I get to see a little more after my pick what the board is so it doesn't happen to me again so i have contingency plans but the first couple times it happens let the stress in say who's available if i take this person who am i replacing them with once you have those questions answered you got about 30 seconds left you take a look you grab your guy you keep it moving it is it is tough it is pressure packed but again vorp is the big thing for me um and i know Again, especially those middle rounds, if I'm not getting that wide receiver three that I like, I have a much harder time talking myself into some of the guys in that wide receiver four range. So I typically fall back on the receiver position when I am in a rut there. Yeah, that's some sound advice. And what I would say is if you are a regular fantasy player and no doubt you're listening to the Transatlantic Sports Show, you are. You've been playing it for a few years. Just go back to or think back to previous years where you're looking at your roster it's week seven week eight of the season you're thinking oh if only i had picked x position or or y position have a look at your roster as it is now have a look at that team build and then think actually i'm all right in that i don't want to get caught short in running back this time around i'm gonna see who's there and like you said, you can. The, each app has got the breakdown in positions. You can. They have uh, ADP. You know who's the best guys up there at the top, and then you can make your decision there. And yeah, thirty seconds is you'll find is more than enough time. Within about ten seconds of that, you probably hit draft, and then you move on. Yeah, use past experiences as well as Andrew's sound advice. So, how far do you plan for? Andrew, you know, here we are, we're, we're preparing for our draft and everybody will know who they want, maybe rounds one, two, and three, and the chances are you're going to be all right. You're going to get the guys on your list and hopefully you've prepared a list with multiple options and you're going to see those names, uh, at least three of them on your fancy roster. So do you work out how far you're going to fill your roster through to like round eight and beyond? Do you even go further than that? Can you foresee your whole roster like throughout the whole draft? Because there must come a point where, you know, all planning is now gone out the window because those names are gone. And then, you know, you're thinking about kickers, you're thinking about defense. I think from experience speaking with you, and we've been doing this for years now, 
kickers defenses are way way down the list so strategizing for the other parts of your roster how far do you go so i would say i probably have most of a blueprint for myself through about four or five rounds but much in the way i prepare for podcasts things like that i have all my information at hand and then i like the rest of it to be a little more of an organic process so i of course have my favorite targets i know you know already we are now two shows into the season uh and and i'm already mentioning cd lamb again so i know i'm typically walking out of drafts with cd lamb i know i'm 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 getting him early and often uh and and I love that for me. Uh, And I know I'm hammering home the wide receiver position early. Again, this is just from having done mock drafts and having done uh, dynasty drafts in the offseason, best ball drafts, all these things. So I've already put in a lot of work into it. So the process for me can become a little more organic. If someone has done that, been in a lot of mock drafts, they, they see how they like to run their team. That is definitely it. Earlier in my fantasy playing career, I used to have about five names written down per round that I liked where they were and then sort of working my way through the rubric of my list of saying, here are the five names I like in round one or here are the five names I like up until pick 14. And then here are the next five for the next 14 picks. And then here are my next five. So you can kind of work through that there's a bunch of different ways to do it. I I know some people who will write out like a full tier listing uh, for their for their cheat sheets there. So they have things that kind of they know when the running back tier is going to break for them. They know when the wide receiver tier is going to break for them. I don't expect everyone to sit down uh, and put an hour plus into making that type of a list. So I would just say, have some favorite names written down round by round. You know, if, if you play, but you know, you're not spending a ton of time on it, uh, have some names written down that you like and, and have them done by, you know, average draft position, get them in that range. And then it makes the draft a little more easy because you can kind of see who you like is still around. And and again, with these things, if I'm picking like the guys I want in round one, I'm obviously not picking the first five guys off the board because if I run into a later pick, we got some issues there. So I try and mix it up. I try and have different positions on this and that will sort of build my approach or that was how I did it in the past. And it worked out pretty well then. Very cool approach. So who are the guys you're looking for in rounds five to eight those middle rounds i you know i think we'll have names such as miles sanders for example running back kenneth walker uh rashad penny devin singletary probably gonna have tyler lockett wide receivers um who else would be around round eight drake london perhaps Traylon burks uh, alan lazard you know who are some of the guys you're going to be marking you've got marked down there the big names have gone but you know there's going to be some value picks in those mid to late rounds. Yeah. So, I mean, five to eight, you can really, really solidify your team here. Um, and and this is where you, you start to get strong at position. So that's very important to remember. Uh, so, I mean, we can kick it off right in round five. Uh, three names, Travis Etienne, Cortland Sutton, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Those are three names that I really love. ETN is coming right at the top of round five. Cortland Sutton's falling in about four or five picks later. And then St. Brown is closing out the fifth round. Uh, again, three guys who I believe will have not just a good workload, but a good fantasy workload. ETN should operate as the pass catching back in Jacksonville. When he was coming out, he was my top back, uh, you know, even with the disappointing season uh without trevor lawrence uh for his final year in clemson etn looked the part of you know an nfl running back uh and and really did for his entire college season so now it's just about putting it together having that built-in chemistry with your quarterback knowing his timing already when so many in jacksonville are having to catch up even guys like christian kirk who are brought in in the offseason and we expect a lot from uh you know, just knowing how he likes to do things, knowing how Trevor likes to do things is very important there. Um, Cortland Sutton, 
you know, the early reports are that Russell Wilson has loved throwing to him all camp. He is that type of big bodied wide catch radius wide receiver that, you know, a lot of quarterbacks love having on their team. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, I think the explosion we saw over the last four, six weeks of the season there, I think that is legit. He was a favorite of mine in the draft last year. Uh, and it's just great to see him put together all the things that we thought he was going to be at the NFL level. Just seeing that all get put together, it was so incredible. Because it was like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> this is exactly what we projected him as, is a, a tough slot receiver who can get some yards after the catch. Uh, and if you like going quarterback a little early, Jalen Hurts is a guy in that fifth round that we uh, really love to see in that area. Obviously creates with his legs, has A.J. Brown now to throw to as well. So if you like taking a quarterback a little earlier, you like looking around round five, six, Hertz is probably the guy I think I'm falling on the most there. Um, as we run it down, Juju Smith-Schuster, Miles Sanders, like he said, look, there was some news earlier in the offseason where Miles Sanders said, don't draft me for fantasy. This is how our team uses running backs. It's a committee. We're making sure we have everybody taken care of and fresh and all this stuff. I think this is the best offense Miles Sanders will have played in as a pro. I think his numbers go up a little bit. The only issue for me is he's got to be my RB two. I can't be counting on him to be my to be my RB one. Uh, it just it stresses me out too much at that point. So I like Sanders more when I've built that position a little stronger. Dallas Goddard, like we just talked about, again that Philly offense is going to be the best it's been. And then I know I've talked about him for a couple seasons now. Clyde Edwards-Helaire, he's putting it together. the The film is getting better. So as we're as we're kind of looking uh, in in six and seven there for a running back, that's a guy I don't mind going a little later than Miles Sanders. That's a guy I don't mind as my RB one if I have really punted on the running back position. Uh, it, I know they brought in Ronald Jones. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco has looked obviously good, and he has had the like training camp buzz. Edward Zolaire is still running as the number one. That's the thing we ignore when we start talking about all these things. Jones failing to impress does not mean Edward Zolaire has done any better, but Edward Zolaire has held on to his number one spot there. So uh, it, it's still enough that I believe he's getting most of the lion's share of snaps uh, at, at running back for uh, what should be a changing offense this year. So if you get to the eighth round and you've gone quite heavy on wide receiver, maybe you've got uh, you know, uh, he picks up one of the uh, bigger names running backs in the second round, but you've only got the one running back, and you've got Miles Sanders there, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, uh, Rashad Penny. Which of those guys, if it, if you've got those three on the on the clock, you're on the clock, and those three names are there, it's round eight. Who are you going for? I think I'm probably going Edwards, Hilaire. Yeah. Um, again, I just you fall back on the best offense possible that increases your opportunity for fantasy points is just involving yourself in good offenses. Um, it's, it's why, you know, when we talk a lot about sleepers, things like that, Gabriel Davis is a guy we talk about who's going much later than this, but uh, a lot of the Gabe Davis hype is that he's in a good offense. You know, he's tied to a great quarterback. He's tied to a good, th- so you you put yourselves with good offenses because they score more points. You do that because more points equals more potential fantasy points. Um, another guy who's going in that range there, that like eighth round range, AJ Dillon, running back. I love coming away with out of drafts. Look, he's still running as the number two behind Aaron Jones, but I think he's someone a lot of people are targeting specifically because he's going to do a little more of the receiving work than Aaron Jones. And I think we start to see a little more of a 50 50 split in this backfield. Um, Look, he's, he's getting the same treatment that Jones is getting. He's not playing uh, in in the last preseason game here, making sure they're keeping everybody fresh. Uh, And when he's on the field, the benefit of these guys having more of a 50-50 split is that they are both fresh. So every time you get a guy out there running, whether it's at the start of the drive, if they're subbing in the middle, you are getting fresh legs out there. Uh, and A.J. Dillon has been climbing up. He is right around pick 100 now and maybe my favorite running back target in that range. So if you see those names 
on the list. And if you are thinking going wide receiver heavy earlier in the draft, then yeah, mark them down and just know that hopefully around six, seven, eight, you can pick up a couple of those running backs and that should see your roster sitting pretty nicely. Uh, and then, you know, I guess, it, is it is it a dart throw after that then, Andrew? You know, from rounds eight onwards, maybe into the double digit rounds, it's, as we said, check out the best player available. And are there, are there rookies out there? I'm going to ask you for uh, saying it's uh, cheat sheet time. We'll get to the cheat sheet in just a minute. The cheat sheet, by the way, Andrew's going to give us five sleepers uh, that he likes uh, as steals in these late rounds. But um, rookies, are there any rookies uh, on the list that you're quite willing to invest some fantasy stock into? Yeah. So, I mean, look, the big hit of the preseason uh, has definitely been Damian Pierce the Houston Texans running back uh, who has flashed in the preseason. I'll be honest, going into things, I really liked the opportunity for Marlon Mack here, but looks like Pierce has really shown out in the preseason. Obviously, the camp reports were all pretty good, but everything was always coming back to, but this is going to be a mixed bag for fantasy because right now everyone looks like they're performing about the same amount. It's why sometimes these games are definitely important for guys. You know, you need that little bit of contact. You need to go up against someone that's not wearing the same jersey as you. Uh, and and Damian Pierce definitely lit things up. Um, Kenneth Walker is another one. Uh, second back taken off the board here. Just a couple picks behind Brees Hall for the New York Jets. Walker finds himself with Rashad Penny, uh, another guy I really loved coming out of college. Thought he was picked a little early, like many people did. Um, but I think if Walker, someone there is going to get more or less a hold on the RB1 job, and then we're going to see the other guy come in to spell them a little more. I would assume something maybe like a 70-30 split early on if someone can separate themselves. I, cool. I, I think... Either one is a good gamble. Walker is going a little later uh, and and was a pretty good tough runner. So I, I love taking a gamble on those two guys at the running back position there. When we're talking about wide receivers, year one production is going to be tough for anyone outside of Drake London. Um, I, I can talk myself into Chris Olave and I can talk myself into Garrett Wilson and, and I can tell myself there's definitely a path there for them to finish as, you know, maybe a wide receiver three. Uh, but I find myself liking some second and third year guys who are going a little later uh, instead, a guy like Kadarius Tony for the New York giants who, you know, obviously have been changing things around now with coach Dayball there uh, who came from Buffalo. We know they're going to try and lean a little more into passing. We're going to see a little more of a fun explosive offense than we were used to. And I think you're going to love this one. Brandon Ayuk someone who I think is going criminally low in drafts right now, finding himself kind of in the middle of the one tens there uh, has been sliding up over the last month or so. So middle of the one tens was maybe at the beginning of the month and now mid to early one tens. There still a great spot for a guy who's got a pretty good shot at finishing as, you know, a, a decent wide receiver three, who has honestly enough of a ceiling with his game and the offense he's in that he will put up some wide receiver two weeks. Found himself in Shanahan's doghouse two years in a row to start his career, but Ayuk has the goods. I mean, he separates really well. I know we talk about separation as, you know, a big thing that wide receivers need. If you can't separate, you have to be a Chase Claypool type. You have to be a big bodied guy who has all the athleticism in the world to win all of these, you know, 50-50 balls and 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 really get things in traffic. But a guy like Ayuk separates so well against man, finds the soft spot in the zone. So we've seen he's done good against both coverages now. That's why he's out of Shanahan's doghouse. It's not because Danny Gray is there and there's just a new young guy to pick on it's because Ayuk is is really putting the results out on film there so he's a he's a guy going a little later that i love uh to to really have on the team in that flex spot maybe as a wide receiver four even and whilst debo samuel and the controversy around his uh trade request in the offseason and he was out having a good time in nightclubs it was Brendan Ayuk who was on the gridiron with Trey Lance building that rapport. So you had Debo Samuel, who is the check down option 
for Jimmy Garoppolo and worked well, very well uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Not saying that he won't work well with Trey Lance, but Brandon Ayuk has built that chemistry and that rapport. So when it comes down to crunch time and Debo has the guy that he can trust, and not Debo, my apologies, when Trey Lance has the guy that he can trust, that could be Brandon Ayuk. And yep. Uh, it'll come as no surprise, Andrew, that I've drafted him in a few of the drafts that I've already been in. So yeah, Brandon Ike is a name to mark on your card. Any Jets, you know, you're the Jets fan. Any of the guys that, uh, Elijah Moore, you know, second year, breakout year, you, you like him? Any of the guys jumping out at you? I do like myself some Elijah Moore. I I, I cannot lie. He is, uh, he is a guy I have high hopes for, I think. Uh, the quarterback position is what's really going to be the issue uh, with the Jets there. So, look, it, I'm so happy Zach Wilson avoided major injury. You know, he's definitely going to be playing this season. Um, the issue is we haven't seen anything really come together yet. Uh, so we have these camp reports that Flacco looks great. And, uh, it, you know, Sala has said that you know, he thinks Flacco can still be a starting quarterback in this league. Well, we're going to find out, and we're going to find out very quick as whether or not that's true or just a guy, you know, saying good stuff about a veteran on his team. So my issue, again, with Jets pass catchers is really just that we haven't seen anything come together. So am I getting, you know, what we saw from Elijah Moore early in the season, or are we getting that, like, you know, weeks eight, to 12 run uh where he had some some decent games there where he scored some touchdowns uh week eight with cincinnati was his uh first double digit fantasy game uh of his career and then he capped off the two touchdown game against the colts there went on to score touchdowns consecutively in three games there, going around uh you know bringing it back into the division against miami and buffalo and then, obviously, the last game of his season at Philadelphia there went for 77 and a score. Um, so I, I think there's enough of Elijah Moore to like, especially where he's going, kind of the late 30s for a wide receiver, finding himself just outside the top 100 picks there. The biggest thing we got to talk about, though, with the Jets is what the running back breakdown is going to be. Obviously, Brees Hall selected looks great, but Michael Carter still getting a lot of that you know, guy who's going to be a part of the offense treatment, still getting rested through the preseason. So I think Michael Carter, more than anything else, is going to bring Brees Hall into like that Lamar Miller type situation where we used to talk very early in Lamar Miller's career that, oh boy, you know, if this guy could just get a bigger workload at his position, he could be a top 10 running back, but they just the, the dolphins aren't giving him enough of a run with things. You know, they're, they're not, they're not really letting him be who he is. These guys see these players in practice every single day. So these guys know their sort of ceiling as to, you know, what they can do within a game before you just get diminishing returns before you've run them down uh, so much. So I think that's more of what we're going to see. So I don't know if Brees Hall gets that, full RB1 workload, and it might be because at this point in his career in the NFL, he may not be able to do that early on. So I think there's going to be enough of Carter maybe to not have him be a fantasy option, but enough to hold Brees Hall down uh, from where he is right now, which at his current price, Brees Hall, it really has to pay off dividends because you're you're taking him, he's coming off the board as RB20, uh, and he's coming off around like pick 50, so a lot invested where Michael Carter was not a bad running back either last year. So you're taking Brees Hall over guys like ETN. Uh, and, and then we get a little muddy in the running back section with guys like Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson, who haven't exactly had the drumbeat going in their favor this entire offseason. So it's a tricky we talk about like the what's called the RB dead zone in drafts where you're really not getting the return on investment inside the position much less on your fantasy team where you know a, a guy like Brees hall coming off in the 50s versus uh you know any sort of wide receiver or tight end coming off the board in that time frame we're talking about Brees hall or brandon cooks who mm. has been 
very good with poor quarterback options or Brees Hall and Jerry Judy, who has also become, you know, a, a pretty good uh, pass catcher, at least the reports in camp when it comes to Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy over guys like Marquise Brown, who's going to have, you know, the offense basically to himself out in Arizona. So that Brees Hall finds himself for me in that running back dead zone in drafts where I, I like so many other options at other positions. And I can also tell myself some of the backs going behind him are going to be just as fine. Guys, we talked about earlier, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, uh, AJ Dillon, Cordero Patterson, who I don't think Patterson lights the world on fire this year, but you need an RB2. He's there. So uh, the Jets, <laughs> to get back after this long monologue, the Jets uh, are not going to be great for fantasy. <laughs> bad offense. Bad offenses aren't great for fantasy. <laughs> that is very true. Unless, as we talked about George Kittle earlier, it's the 2017 San Francisco 49ers, and then he is going off, and uh, that's five years ago. This is about now. So, Andrew, it's time. Cheat sheet time. Who are the five sleepers you like who we could probably get as steals in those late rounds? And then when it comes to championship time, people are like, what? Where did that guy come from? We're like, well, we told you. We told you back in late August. So I, I have one. I, I got a couple here. So Chase Edmonds running back for the Miami Dolphins. He's going to get the first crack at running things there. Raheem Mostert is there. So that's the only thing. If Mostert breaks off a big run pretty early, I think that and, and still, you know, his tie to uh, McDaniels is going to keep him really in tow there uh, and, and could potentially have him be a thorn in Edmonds side. But I think Edmonds gets the first crack at pass catching work, which is obviously the most valuable thing for us fantasy players going real deep at the wide receiver position. You can basically get this guy at the end of your draft uh, for free. Nico Collins on the Houston Texans there. Look, as a rookie working with Davis Mills and everything else the Texans franchise was going through and, and, and the players had to deal with last year, uh, he was put in a very rough spot by a team that basically just sort of couldn't figure out if they were punting, how hard were they punting on the season? Couldn't There was no identity to the Texans last year. And Nico Collins still did pretty well. Uh Coming off the board so incredibly late, like I said, you're basically just ending drafts uh, with him. Those are the guys that I love walking out with, but some other late things that I love seeing. Kenny Galladay, who late, maybe not guys in the 50 at the wide receiver position, though, and you could potentially see him as the Giants wide receiver one. We talked about rookies, and I left this guy off. Also going inside the 50, uh, just outside the top 50 at his position, George Pickens out in Pittsburgh there. Absolutely loved him in college. Thought he, you know, could be the wide receiver one in his class. Some injuries obviously derail that. And then, you know, we have a much tougher time trying to figure out where he falls into things. Uh, so George Pickens is a guy that I think could easily supplant uh, Chase Claypool as the wide receiver two in Pittsburgh. Ramondre Stevenson is a guy we haven't talked about yet at the running back position there, uh, going a little late right around that sort of A.J. Dillon, Chase Edmonds area. We talk a lot about the James White role in the Patriots offense, which before James White was the Kevin Falk role um, <laughs> and the Shane Vereen role, that like smaller pass catching back. Stevenson obviously has had the drumbeat this entire offseason, all about how good he's looked at how much he's getting better and how the ball security is getting better and the coaching staff loves him and you know all these all these little things stevenson is going to find himself as the pass catching back and has just about the same rushing chops as damian harris so i think that's really where we're going there uh and at the tight end position you really want to punt tight end evan ingram obviously look it has been up and down in his career drops have been an issue uh, you know we can go on and on and on about all the things that evan ingram has going against him but new new city new quarterback new everything guys really stepping in as the pass catching option at tight end should find himself in that sort of tight end big slot role uh evan ingram is definitely a guy if you're punting on tight end that i'm looking at as well as albert okuye bunam in denver 
finding himself as the starting tight end over there. They've talked a lot this offseason uh, just about how good he's been. The team investing in this guy by trading away Noah Fant, who looked at the time to be a young ascending tight end. I think Okuye Bunam finds himself as a sleeper, a real sleeper candidate to finish inside the top 10 at the tight end position. Awesome list of names there. Thanks, Andrew. And go out or mark them on your list because your draft is just around the corner. So those are guys that you can backfill. Maybe one of them will be the Mr. Irrelevance at the end of your draft. So uh, yeah, good luck. Right, Andrew, before you go, who are the guys to avoid? You know, he gave us five there, five sleepers, but, um, you know, maybe three, five names that maybe hot names. They may have been good uh, a year or two ago, but are names that they're not coming in within a sniff of your fancy planning. I have some big ones here, uh, and and I, I'm excited for this one. I think this is the one I'll probably hear the most about. Uh, so for the quarterback position, it's Aaron Rodgers. A whole new wide receiver, you know, thing for him to get used to. Obviously, Lazard, yes, was on the team last year. He knows him. Um, But as much as I love a guy like Sammy Watkins late, you know, all these things are dart throws. Rodgers, not a guy that's rushing as much as he did earlier in his career, you know, getting those touchdowns on the ground to really boost his fantasy value. When you look at guys like Dak Prescott, uh, who will move around, who are going a little later. Joe Burrow, who has better pass-catching options. Russell Wilson, who has better pass-catching options. Everyone going behind Aaron Rodgers in drafts. Kyler Murray, a guy who's going around the same spot as him. And Kyler brings so much value rushing the ball. I cannot find myself drafting Aaron Rodgers and feeling good about it. Um, at running back, those names are Alvin Kamara and David Montgomery. Look, Kamara is going to be on a team now that has more pass catching options than it basically ever has had while he's been in New Orleans. I think with Winston under center, things could change up a little more. You you maybe don't get those sort of late career Drew Brees dinks and dunks to kind of get down the field to Kamara. Um, I, it, there's there's just a lot changing. So you'll find with a lot of these guys that I'm going to talk about, change is the big thing. You know, we like consistency for fantasy. We like these guys who don't have weeks where they're going to only score three, four points. Um, David Montgomery is another one. Again, we've heard so many good things about the entire Bears running back room. This is a coaching staff who did not draft him. There was word that they were trying out David Montgomery on special teams for a few things. And and certainly with a starting running back, you're looking to get him off the field in situations that aren't lining up at running back. So uh, him potentially being tried out on special teams didn't ring too well to my ears. At wide receiver, Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas, both guys coming off of injury. We don't know how long it's going to take them to ramp up to full activity. Godwin would be the one I would believe in more for late in the season when you're trying to lock down a playoff spot. He's obviously going to be drafted. Definitely, if your team has an IR slot, uh, an an IR slot, if your league uses that. Um, Michael Thomas, again, we just don't know what we're getting. And for where he's getting drafted, I really can't find myself selecting him and, and feeling good about it because he's still he's still coming off the board at like wide receiver 28 it has a little bit of safety built into that value but when we're talking about a guy like adam thielen who's going after that at wide receiver 31 hunter renfro who's going at 32 there juju smith schuster at 33 those are three guys i would take over michael thomas right there uh, drake london who we talked about earlier as well so uh with that, we just don't know how effective he's going to be. And then at tight end, Mike Gusecki for the Dolphins. I just don't see this being good for fantasy. Even he has been saying, you know, for my career, I was basically a, a wide receiver that was occasionally in line to block. And now I'm working much more as an inline tight end. I just don't think the fantasy value is going to be there. He is not going to become like the George Kittle for this team because he does not have those blocking chops and he does not invite contact the same way Kittle does. So I don't think we can talk about, you know, oh, he's getting the George Kittle role. That's not a thing. The George Kittle role is being George Kittle and very good at football. Yeah, and Mike McDaniel, who has worked with George Kittle, will know that, uh, yeah, Mike Kosicki is no George Kittle, as you said. Andrew, I mean, we're almost there. I just, I can't believe that it's uh, it's draft time. Do you have a, a routine on draft night? Do you have a beer? 
I, you, I, you know, I do, I do, I do reach uh, for beer. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is nice. Again, like I said, I like the draft to be a very organic experience. It's very good. The the first thing I said when we talked last week was, you know, have fun with it. Yeah. So. I do. I like to relax. I don't have as many in-person drafts now. Uh, all the people I draft with are now like all over the country, all over the world in some places. Uh, so I I will relax. I'll have a beer. I'll usually have, you know, a snack available. And you got to remember, a draft is like a weirdly long event. Yeah. I, I always go into my drafts thinking they're going to be about 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden, as I round like, you know, an hour and a quarter was like, oh man, this is much longer. Every single year I do it. I said, this is a lot longer than I think it's going to be. So just, you know, have some snacks on hand, have some beverages on hand that you like, um, and just, just have fun with it. Just enjoy. Yeah. You know, I pour a beer, maybe a couple of beers. What I always find is, you know, this time of year, it's suddenly it's getting darker before you know it. And, you know, you sit down with draft time and I've, I've, I've poured a beer, maybe you got some, uh, some snacks like yourself uh, on the go and you're, you're locked in. And next thing you know, I, I get up to get another beer out the fridge and I'm walking into the door. It's suddenly dark. And you're like, what's going on? <laughs> because the draft has been going on for so long. <laughs> Wife's yeah. in bed. She didn't even say goodnight. You know, she's like, oh, you know, <laughs> do it. Yeah. Well, at, at first, when you said you walked into a door, I was like, oh, yeah, I have done that. Those drafts are really long and those beers <laughs> do pile up after a while. But yes, also getting dark is now what I'm going to say happens. <laughs> <laughs> those beers pile up yes they do yes they do good luck andrew good luck to everyone who uh is about to embark on their fantasy drafts how many drafts or how many leagues are you in andrew what's uh what's the number this season uh so for redraft i'm only going to be in two or three leagues there a little lower than normal i've gotten much more into dynasty fantasy football which okay. i know we've talked about before you draft and then you keep those guys you know keep running it year after year but uh all in all fantasy leagues i'm in about 10 or 12 most of those are dynasty leagues wow um, three or four of those are redraft wow okay i think i'm uh, i think i'm on eight this season, I'm I'm two drafts down. There, there's a, a dynasty league that we are drafting for uh, in just a couple of weeks' time, so that'll be fun. Uh, and then, yeah, the, obviously, others are uh, work leagues, friend leagues. There's uh, fantasy football UK podcast leagues, and there is, of course, the NFL UK Writers Network, uh, the fantasy league. Oh man, that's I've made it. I've made it. The past two seasons haven't quite got over the hump. So this year, this is the year. This is, this is the year we do it. Yes, sir. So thank you very much for your uh, for your sound advice. Guys can follow you on social media at the underscore ATJ. Fear not, we will get Andrew back with fantasy advice throughout the season as well. And of course, you can follow us at TASS underscore UK. Please do us a favor, rate and review the Transatlantic Sports Show podcast. Tell your friends about us. This season as well, we'll be uh, loading up on YouTube so you'll be able to watch the, uh, the podcast. These fantasy preview episodes have been audio only though as you will have seen because you have clicked on the link there will be some of uh, andrew's uh, content there that you can view as a, as a video as uh, previews for the podcast but we are very excited to say that there will be uh, youtube action to come this season of course some uh, exciting sponsorship opportunities as well that are coming our way and before you know it it'll be week four and we'll be at the tottenham hotspur stadium for the Minnesota Vikings at New Orleans Saints. And the week after that, the Green Bay Packers are in town. We get to see Russell Wilson later in the year as well, 30th of October at Wembley Stadium. I am looking forward to being back at Wembley Stadium. The access that we get in the tunnels around there. Of course, if you subscribe to the Transatlantic Sports Show, you will be able to hear the special podcasts, you know, we, we take you behind the scenes, we pull back the curtain and we can get into the locker rooms again this year and get post-game reaction from the players. So we'll have all the buzz around that. I'm an accredited NFL journalist, so I get to uh, go to all the, uh, the the practice and training sessions when they're over here in London. And uh, like I said, take you behind the scenes and get you all the reaction. I speak to some of you whilst we are at the London Games as well so those are good fun more of those to come in the meantime andrew thank you very much we will speak to you soon i guess the next time we'll speak to you will be on youtube 
Yeah, very excited. I, you know, I've I've always said more people should see us. Yes, they need to see Gro. I'm, you say see you as soon as you say that. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at Grover. It's in the, the right. Yeah, they really that. need to see exactly my office space. <laughs> That's what it's all about. He's got some helmets there above his head, not on his head, but uh, in the in the background there. And he's got this beautiful Grogu Funko with uh, the New York Jets cap on. So, is that the Captain America's shield? To his yes, right, yes. yes, it is a little like tiny replica Captain America shield. Grogu is all in, so uh, yeah, everyone, everyone is going to see what a big nerd I am. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> Everyone's going to love it. It's going to be such a good season. If you haven't seen the videos on uh, social media, then make sure you subscribe to the Transatlantic Sports Show and our YouTube channel when that launches very soon, because you'll be able to see Grogu, the Jets cap, and the Captain America shield in the background. In the meantime, good luck with your fantasy draft. Until next time, be lucky. Be lucky.